to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. So loud today. Give it up, everyone, for my next door neighbor. Uh, and, we're recording. Yep. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I have no idea when this is going to air because we're recording a bunch of episodes all jumbled for banking for timed release later. Pod banking. Pod banking. It's a new economic model that yeah. the uh, Global Initiative, the Davos Initiative, has sponsored doing pod banking mm-hmm. saving up content with uh, inspirational music back and yet <laughs> yeah man this is we're recording in real life again which is something we rarely get to do since anders moved to dc and the covid thing happened and i'm remembering why it's a problem my <laughs> next door neighbor has a band or something plays this song very loud um well Enjoy the background music. It's happening. Uh, to, to give you a taste of when this is being recorded, though, to timestamp this, the current discourse online is um, about groomers is the thing that the like, right wing That could shuts. be any time. I guess, each, yeah. It's, but it's specifically a thing right now. Maybe it won't go away. Yeah, true. What happened recently is that there's this thing going on. There's a a bill that has become a stupid culture war centerpiece in um, Florida called the Don't Say Gay Bill that I think is... I don't even look that far into it because uh, who cares? It's just the evil, hopeless Republican thing or whatever. But I think that they're trying to prevent like teachers from being able to disclose their personal lives and things about their... You know, sexual orientation and gender and whatnot. Right. So, I guess what happened is Disney, since Disney is like based down there, a public Disney World, right? Is it Dis- Yeah, it's Disney World in Florida, Disneyland in California. I was, I never have been. I always wanted to go. I was in a family that was more of an Amish country type of family on vacation. We'd go to see Amish people instead of having fun and look, playing on rides and shit. I was a Six Flags kid, which because uh, I grew up near Astro World, and uh, they were kind of like the Pepsi to Disney's Coke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They ha- they didn't have the Disney Mickey Mouse and all that shit. They had the Looney Tunes everywhere. And like big mascot Bugs Bunny, you could walk up to and yeah. take pictures with and shit. Um, it's interesting. I don't know how they pulled that off. And then they had the Venga Boys and that old man dancing. Venga Boys. Do you remember the commercial for um, for Six Flags with like the? the I remember the old man. The old man. Okay. And then he's dancing to that like techno song. Yes. That's the Venga Boys. Oh, okay. Anti-fascist Spanish 
extremely uh, poppy bubblegum band. Kind of like ska-ish? No, it's no, not it's ska. It's like 90s like um, dance music. Like... Uh, it, more like Ace of Bass or something like really? that. Really? Okay. Yeah, but they were from Spain, and I think that's what's going on here. I'm not, I haven't really looked into this because I, uh, well, who cares? But like <laughs> a few years ago during, um, you know, the Trump administration when like Antifa was the center of the stupid right-wing culture war, uh-huh. they, they flew the anti-fascist flag at a show where like, I guess it was just really funny because usually you would think that it would be like some fucking aggressive hardcore band that's like we're anti-fascist we're gonna come kick your ass but it was like you know it was like the poppiest music ever but everyone's welcome in the fight against fascism you know um but anyway speaking of culture war stuff so so disney opposed this bill i guess and now in response like Don Jr. and all these like public stupid right wing people are like making it into a thing to be like Mickey Mouse wants to fuck your kids <laughs> and like they're making it all about Disney and stuff. God, Disney okay. being groomers. Um, and so I tweeted a joke about it or a take about it or something, and it went really viral yesterday. And now I'm getting emails from people like this one. This is from Sean Courtney. Who you can email at Sean Gina one or Sean Gino one. I'm not sure how this is supposed to be pronounced at gmail.com. S H A W N G I N A one at gmail.com. Um, how'd they find your email? It's like on my website. Oh, okay. Um, although I mean, but you still have to like look you know what i mean for it's yeah. weird when someone makes it this far it just means that they're like really unhinged online uh-huh anyway subject title groomer you literally just post bullshit quote unquote facts that aren't real and expect people to just believe them lol go fuck yourself you pathetically ignorant piece of grooming shit Google quote unquote mother's boyfriend asshole. What? God damn you motherfuckers are just pathetic. Yeah, I don't know. Did you Google mother's boyfriend? No, why would I Google? What does that mean? <laughs> Nothing good can possibly come up. Well, maybe something really good will come up if you Google mother's boyfriend. It's like a MILF video or something? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's trying to say. <laughs> I think he's trying to say because I when I did it, I I was talking about how like um right wing like scaremongering in regards to like someone's gonna fuck your kids uh-huh. is uh, it always conveniently leaves out the fact that most of that statistically happens within the church and the family both right. being like pillars of the right wing right. like cultural identity you know Yeah. and uh, I guess what he's saying is like it's not the family it's not ever like a biological father it's always it's because like women like couples get divorced and then you have step parents is why according Hmm. to him (laughs) uh but i guess i was supposed to find that out by googling mother's boyfriend (laughs) which i'm not gonna do okay but also not a good point mother's boyfriend seemed like they were probably a culprit in that sometimes as well Oh, I think mother's. I think your dad is your mother's boyfriend. Also. Can be. <laughs> oh, is he saying that the mother? 
that's the breakdown of the family if the mom steps out of the marriage. Never mind. This is all stupid. <laughs> He's saying that like molestation happens because of divorce, and that your okay biological then father would never do that. Right. Right. The okay. family is sacred and all this. Sure. Holy shit! I just googled mother's boyfriend, <laughs> and there's like, oh man, there's all these romance novels with these awesome covers. My, Fabio. <laughs> yeah. My Mother's Boyfriend by Matthew Ramsey. A Ramsey Reed. <laughs> um these are all these all seem like they're like um what do you call it? Like softcore porn. Yeah, they're all about yeah, fucking your sense. mom's boyfriend. <laughs> oh f- okay. Or, I'm sure that's happened as well. That happened on Desperate Housewives. Yeah, hell yeah. The uh um what's her name? Marsha. What's the, Marcia Cross, who plays, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but the character's name, but her son ends up hooking up with a guy she's dating who's a sex addict, and uh, it's bad news, because he, he coaxes him into, um, just to fuck with his mom, it's actually kind of a mean thing to do to your mom, he uh, coaxes this guy who cannot, has limited power over his, his libido, and he... Uh, Fucks his, his mom's boyfriend. It's, it's it was a dirty move. Damn, it's well, a that, good great show. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad this guy recommended it to us because. But you know, uh, Disney. We were talking a little bit before the show, like um, Pocahontas. I rewatched that and was reading a bit. Apparently, the real story, which you know, it's a myth, it doesn't have to be completely accurate. Uh, but in the real story, John Smith, who some people say did not was not involved with Pocahontas, uh, that he was would have been much much older when she would have been a child, you know. And if you think about, it, there's a lot of Disney movies where that's probably the case, yeah, right? Like they're like retellings of old timey myths. Yeah, where that was just way more normalized. Right. Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. What the, I mean, the, the, but so they Disney but in the movies actually anti fucking kids because they're redoing right. stories into making them age appropriate. Yeah, maybe yeah, no. maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Disney <laughs> is necessarily good just because Republicans are mad at it. I, I mean, it's it's. I have you know. I would think the left should be having issues with Disney too. Remember that uh, Bernie? One of his best tweets was like uh, about you know mascots at Disney or, or the people who walk around in the bobbleheads and it was like um this is not what donald duck is all about oh or yeah something like that <laughs> yeah i remember that well this i this is one of those weird ones this is kind of like jk rowling or something where uh, i'm like why are you guys mad at disney disney is like more responsible for upholding like patriarchal family values yeah. and shit than probably any other institution in you know at least in like art or whatever right yeah it's funny how uh, Rowling has now become like a touchstone because when Harry Potter first came out, I, I vaguely remember this. Uh, that was a big deal for the right at the time because you're teaching children about witchcraft. Right. You know, like I had a neighbor who's uh, we we had her over to watch uh, Hocus Pocus or something, and her parents got really upset because <laughs> it was like this is witchcraft. They were like, I think it was like a Republican congressman or something yeah. who was mad. 
uh, that yeah. we showed his daughter Hocus Pocus. No, I mean, I grew up down in Texas, and, like, people, I mean, they would burn those books and shit. And yeah. would be like, this is, like, silly, you know? This right. It's, like, goofy-ass shit. Like, people wouldn't celebrate, like, Halloween and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this once, but we weren't allowed to... Uh, be you know anything spooky on Halloween in my my evangelical school as a kid? <laughs> okay, you had to be like a cowboy, and that was it. And I, once I was a girl, and it was fine. Oddly enough, <laughs> well, maybe that's the loophole here. Yeah, if you're in Florida, you just and you are trans and you are a teacher, you plead the Halloween Amendment. If the cops come after you or anyone says anything, <laughs> you just say it's Halloween, right? And that's also kind of a contradiction, too, because there's some laws in the UK. I don't know if this passed or not, but it was a uh, big controversy over it for um, if you were having sex with someone, they're required by law. This law would have done that. It may or may not have passed. They were required to disclose their sex assignment at birth. Um so if you but now in Florida they're saying you can't disclose anything about your personal, you know, gender right. anything. So like what are you supposed to do there? Shouldn't they shouldn't they be demanding that uh teachers disclose up front and be transparent about their entire like sexual gender identity and make sure <laughs> sure the kids aren't confused or Yeah. Well it's also like how do you enforce that? Yeah. Like you know, I mean, is there just like a cop there? It's just like just here to make sure everything's above the you know board. Well, and that's the scary yeah. thing is a kid, any kid can go home. The kid doesn't even have to say anything. If a parent has, uh, if the if the kid has a transgender teacher, and the parents don't like it. They can just make up something about. They can say, um, "Yeah, my son came home and started telling us about how his teacher was describing." you know, uh, how to have sex if you're trans or something like that, and that person can get arrested. There doesn't have to be any... It sounds like there doesn't have to be any, like, evidence or anything like that. I mean, well, the evidence would be the child's testimony, which can be coaxed from either direction. Yeah, I don't know, kids love... I mean, if you you know anything about, like, the satanic panic stuff in the 90s, I think just, you know, like, coaxed children into saying, like... Did you see Damien Eccles eat a goat? You did, right? <laughs> I'll give you video games if you did. Yeah. And then they said it because you're a kid and you want a you know, video game or whatever. Um, what I was talking about was the the like the law about fucking. Like, is there going to be a cop there? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Because like, there's all these crazy laws like that in the South. Like, there's like, um, there's like, a, I think it's still illegal. Like, technically, sodomy in Texas. Just any, that still hasn't been repealed. Any sex that isn't for procreation. Jesus. And it might have been repealed, but it was like, I think it, recently it was still a law. But um, mm-hmm. there's also like a, a number of dildos you can own. There's like a maximum before you're like technically like a dealer or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like unlicensed. So. You can imagine your Texas sheriff busting down your door, you know, and going like, just here to make sure everything's above board. <laughs> you got a license for this? Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I don't know if I ever introed the show. Hi, Pod Damn America, Jake and Anders. Anders Lee here. Uh, what are we talking about today, Anders? Well. You need to derail us by talking about. No, this is, uh, we can segue. Um, speaking of religion and uh 
religious fundamentalism. We are now Christian fundamentalism specifically, which um, is a, a rationalization for all sorts of bigotries and oppressions over the world. Um, we are now in April 2022. We have uh, we are at the 10-year mark since Coney 2012 took off, swept the nation and the world in 2012. So what I want to do today is, in a, um, some might say a strange way, make a, do a sort of analysis on American pathologies towards Africa. Uh, this is not going to be a, like, geopolitical analysis of actually existing African, you know, stuff and situations. We maybe probably should do that at some point, but uh, I do want to sort of use this as, a, as an opportunity to analyze the way Americans view Africa and, you know, the problems in Africa that people don't understand. And, of course, you know, Coney 2012 is uh, <laughs> very, very much a, a right-wing Christian operation, right? But at the time, it was not, you know... Uh, it was not uh, perceived that way so much, at least in the beginning. Um, but uh, I don't know if we should go in chronological order because I wanted to start this in the early 90s. But I guess why don't we just start? What do you remember about Coney 2012? Were Man. you a supporter? Uh, no, I remember the video going really viral. And I remember being confused by it and going, what, why, <laughs> why is this a thing? I feel like this was, since this was 10 years ago, this was like pre-virality being extremely common and normal. It was like confusing kind of that uh -huh. this happened. And um, I remember just being kind of suspicious of this guy. It's like this video where this white guy is um, telling you about his shitty son for some reason. That always happens in these videos. I don't know why. There's always it's like a guy, and then he's like, this is my son. And you're just like, what does he have to do with this? And uh, it it reminded me of um, kind of suspiciously of just like, I don't know, like almost this like 80s era, like activism about yeah. Africa. We are the stuff. world. Yeah, like shit like that. And I was just like, what is going on here? Is this person trying to guilt me into giving them money? You know, I don't know. It's 10 years ago. I probably knew a little bit less about like weird international politics and stuff. So like, I don't really remember if I even thought, oh, this is part of some other greater political thing. I just thought this guy was a grifter. Right. Yeah. I, so I, um, at the time and somewhat still, although I guess I've switched platforms at the time I was a Facebook contrarian. And this was like gold, you know, for someone, uh, a 20-year-old, as I was at the time. Uh, just so many holes to poke in it, and uh, I gleefully did that and did not have anything really, you know. Uh, I have had basically the same general politics as I do now, but there was no real alternative to, to offer people. Um, and, and we'll get into why why it was such a bad thing but uh first i do what you mentioned the 80s i want to begin with a moment in time that i always found fascinating and that is 
uh, Operation Restore Hope, which began in 1992 in Somalia um, with the UN under the command of George H.W. Bush and uh, slowly turned into the Clinton administration in 1993. Um, some would might argue that Bush uh, started this deliberately to get Clinton, to have, have it so Clinton, who was a draft dodger, would have a military situation on his hands immediately and, and be exposed as a an incompetent when it came to military affairs because he was uh, the first president in a long time at that point who had not served in the military. I guess the first since... I don't even know. Harding? Something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, um, there's a famine going on in Somalia and it was somewhat... Uh, you know, this gets left out. There was a, a the region was having uh, problems with food shortages overall, but specifically in Somalia, there was some uh, a famine induced by tribal uh, warfare or clan warfare. Um, they were, you know, preventing different people from getting food. Bad thing. Um, so Bush decided to commit troops. And then over the course of uh, about a year, it turns from Operation to Restore Hope to uh, another name that I think our fans will appreciate, Operation Gothic Serpent. What? <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That was the name when Clinton uh, decided to commit more troops. That's ins- Why did he call it that? I don't know. I don't know who makes up these, these names in the U.S. The fuck? <laughs> Fucking sounds awesome, though. Yeah, I, I want to get a tattoo of Operation Gothic Serpent. I think it was probably like they were like, let's call it uh, black because they're black people. <laughs> right. Oh, we can't say that. How about Gothic Serpent? <laughs> um, I can see that. Yeah. But so I've always been, as long as I can remember, fascinated by sort of like obscure uh, American um, military operations and conflicts and you know the wars you don't hear about as much uh spanish-american war and you know world war one and like all and that's as i've said ad nauseum on hardcore anders lee episodes that's that's i think what form helped form my political views because if you look at the vast majority of military conflicts that the u.s has been involved in there's no justification for them um and this is I wouldn't quite say the exception to the rule, but it's kind of close because it's, you know, post-Cold War. We don't have a Soviet Union anymore. And the justification for this is UN-supported is a a relief. It's a humanitarian mission, which hadn't really happened uh, that I can think of ever in in American history. we sent troops over there, and they were actually greeted uh, with um, enthusiastically by a lot of the, a lot of Somali people. Um, you know, they were there to help distribute food, and so there's this very brief blip in which, it, uh, in the eyes of Somalis, uh, Americans were kind of heroes. Dare I say? Dare I say heroes? But that did not last very long. Um, and this is something that gets left out of it, too. Um, as the military presence increases and they start turning it into a nation-building mission, 
because they decide, well, who? wait, who's the enemy here? They're fighting each other. Okay, but who's the bad guy? Like, we got to pick a side here, obviously. There's clans fighting. Uh, Muhammad Farah Adid, he's trying to rule the country, and it seems like his side is doing the most of the starvation. Why don't we make him public enemy number one? And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They put the target on Adid's head. Um, not that he's a good guy, obviously, but uh, the mission sort of uh, morphed into like taking him out, and there was a lot of uh, arrests that were made um, for his his top guys, and then there's a mission to uh, capture him, to kidnap him, not kidnap. Well, yeah, kind of kidnap, but to to take him out. Um, and but what what we forget is that a lot of these missions leading up to October 3rd, 1993, um, were pretty bad for regular Somali people. Uh, there was one in which the uh, Habergeter clan, which Mohammed Farah Adid led, was having a meeting about like what to do. Or, like, do we get rid of Mohammed Farah Adid? Because this is not going well. Americans are breathing down our neck. Like, maybe let's let's try to think of a way out of this. There were poets there. There were artists, and then all of a sudden, just the ceiling explodes, and they all are blown to smithereens. And a bunch of people around the that block of that city are also hurt and killed uh-huh. because uh, the U.S. just like blows them up. Because that's we don't know how to to do humanitarian missions. Like, we really don't. Yeah, we blow somebody up. It's humanitarian. Yeah. What's wrong with humanitarian about that? Right. And it's even, like, the the Black Hawk... Black, Black Hawk... I don't know why I can't say that. Because it sounds like something else. When, I, when you say Black Hawk <laughs> really quick, it sounds like a gothic serpent, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there you go. But, um... Mother's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those things uh, are... That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> But those things are pretty... There's a reason we don't give them to police departments. Like, police departments have helicopters, but there's a reason they usually don't come close to the ground and that they're not that big and equipped with weapons because that's a, a nuisance. Like, it would, they would do these missions and the Blackhawks would, flow, would, would uh, fly close to the ground. They would blow people's clothes off. They would destroy markets and stuff. And people were getting killed. Somalis were just, who had nothing to do with this, were just getting shot, you know, often accidentally uh, by Americans. So uh, pretty quickly, a lot of resentment grows. And that's why, if you watch the movie Black Hawk Down, as I have several times, um, you will see that they don't like the Americans. And it's, it's hard to really grasp why that is. You know, I remember thinking that when I first watched it. Not going to, um, you know, be dishonest about it. I loved the movie as a kid. It was a, one of my favorite movies at the time. I got the video game, the computer game. Yeah. It's very entertaining, uh, very violent, and uh, it made me want to kick ass. But there's something, you know, that I kind of wonder. is like, well, why do they want it? Aren't we there to help them? Shouldn't they like Americans? There's just like people all over the city who are shooting at Americans. Why do they, they are they all on a deed side? And that not necessarily, no. Uh, I mean, the, the justification, the, the reasons given for that were that, well, the, a deed is a good propagandist and he, he pumps out propaganda on the radio and they hear that. And they chew a lot of cot. 
And that's what? really the problem there. What is caught? It's like a it's like a leaf. Um, I, I when I describe it and when I think about it, I actually want to try it now. Well, yeah, you you love shit like that. Yeah, I honestly want some cod, but it's you <laughs> chew on it. It's kind of like coca. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just a leaf you chew on, and it it's, has like an amphetamine effect. It's not as powerful, but it you know gets you high. And uh, when you you know are sort of sort of low on it or high on it, I forget. Um, that's like when this battle started. There's a bunch of guys who were high on cot, and you know that's true. But I I don't think that's completely the contributing factor. I don't know if I would. Uh, want to go out? You know, I, I it's I've not been a political reason that right. battle happened. Yeah, it's just a thing that was happening. Right, and then there's got to be some other underlying causes, f- uh, other than pro- you know for propaganda to work. There has to be some material basis, right? Um, and there was, and that was the U.S. occupation. We don't know how to do humanitarian relief. We our army is trained to occupy, and that's kind of one of the uh, the themes of Black Hawk Down, the movie, is that there's Josh Hartnett plays this guy who's like, you know, I like the skinnies, as he calls the Somalis, uh, because I just want to make a difference. And uh, his comrades in arms are like, really? We're here to kick ass. We're here to fight. That's what we were taught to do. And he's like, no, I think I'm here to, to make a difference. And by the end of the movie, he has been essentially depoliticized. And the thing that he values the most is the guys next to him and just that camaraderie and leave no man behind is the uh, slogan for the movie and for the mission. Uh, you got it's it's in people have written about how this is sort of similar to saving private Ryan, which came out a few years before, uh-huh. which um, the sense in which it, it kind of strips warfare from the political causes and focuses on, the soldiers themselves just oh. fighting because that's their mission and that's what they do is fighting totally. and totally yeah and that they, happens with war all the time yeah the more glaringly obviously wrong the the like, reasons for the war are happening the more you just get like these like emotional appeals to little individualized stories about uh, you know soldiers and stuff. This kind of reminds me of like something that happened when I was in like middle school. I remember, <laughs> I remember I, there was this uh, other student, this girl who was like white and kind of uh, right leaning in ways that I understand now, looking backwards mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mentioned something about the Vietnam War to her, and she got really angry, and she said, um, "I will never forgive them for what they did to our boys." And I think about it all the time because I was like, what the fuck? Like, do you know what the <laughs> Vietnam War was about? And she was just like, what they did to our... She started talking about how, you know, soldiers got, like, you know, tortured and stuff. I was like, yeah, but what about what it was about, you know? Right. And then, anyway, the reason I'm telling the story is because I, like, looked her up on Facebook a few years ago. Oh, boy. Totally fucking MAGA, psycho, yeah. right-wing idiot, right? Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the logical conclusion of this stuff because so one of the characters in Black Hawk Down is Michael Durant, who's a helicopter pilot. Of course, the name of the movie Black Hawk Down. Two uh, helicopters get shot down on that mission. There's actually one before that that we don't hear about before before that particular mission. 
Um, so he's captured and he spends like over a week in captivity and actually he's treated relatively well. Like at, at definitely not at first, like he was almost killed by a, like a, a crowd. Um, but then he's taken and held in captivity and, uh, the, they try to be nice to him. Like they say, that's a Somali tradition. We, we, we are nice to our, you know, captors. Um, and they get him to say that uh, killing innocent people is bad, which is, you know, he says he later regrets saying that. He should have just said, hey, I just do what I'm told. Um, Michael Durant eventually is, is let out by Adid because uh, the U.S. threatens. And, and after this mission goes to shit. I mean, they do capture most of the guys they're looking for, but the helicopters get shot down. It, well, it starts with a guy who is supposed to rope down. And he grips the rope wrong, so it just, like, like plops on the ground and, like, breaks some bones and shit. And so that slows everything down. And then the helicopter gets shot down, and it prolongs things. And then another helicopter gets shot down. Ends up being a bloodbath. Um, but There's this- also a rancid song about this. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know whether it's pro or anti or really. I don't remember anything about it other than the chorus. How does it go? Black Hawk Down Black Hawk Down That's pretty much what I remember Really? And it's just I'm gonna look this up See if it's Oh, it's from before the movie That's interesting Yeah, it's about the thing Oh, yeah Because That's what was interesting too Is um, When this happened There was uh, Outcry uh, For about a week And then we just kind of forgot about it and the guy who wrote the book, Mark Bowden, he was like, he expected someone else to do the book, and they didn't. So he eventually, after a few years, he was like, fuck it, I guess I'm going to write this. And he wrote the book. Uh, military was very skeptical at the time. They were like, uh, well, I don't know. A lot of this stuff is top secret because, in their eyes, this is a failure, this mission. It's an embarrassment for the United States. Uh, then he like starts doing more research and he shows him what he's working on and by like 1999 when the book comes out they're like let's make this a fucking movie because it's about the, the soldiers right it's about their amazing story and their bravery and it's a great propaganda tool for the United States military Yeah. Uh, and they also like the fact that this is about urban warfare and that's what one of the, the uh, subtitle of the movie I believe is is uh, is about uh, a modern warfare a tale of modern warfare because they knew in the 90s that most of the world was moving to cities therefore the future of war was going to be urban and they were happy that someone was portraying that right they didn't know who they were going to be fighting at that point they knew it was going to be in a city um, there's a very chilling moment in in this talk I, I watched on C-SPAN Maybe I'll stream it um, with Mark Bowden. And he's being asked by an audience member, like, so the military, they, it seems like now they're more on board with this this movie. Are you a little concerned that they're going to use this uh, and sort of distort some things? And it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, trying to tell an accurate story. And then the questioner says, and this is in 1999, the questioner warns, uh, well, you got to be careful there because, you know, a lot of this that stuff kind of happened in Vietnam when something would get turned into propaganda if totally. the military was allowed to to, to shape it. And he, what they uh, did to our boys. Right, exactly. And Bowden just kind of laughed it off. 
And that's yeah. exactly what wound up happening. Uh, Black Hawk Down comes out in 2001. And it's one of those strange things that could not have happened at a more perfect time. Um, but it, they did, I, I assume, maybe wrongly, they did not know 9-11 was going to happen uh, when they started shooting the movie. Um, but, it, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, just the perfect uh, moment for the war on terror you could not have asked for a better like entree into it you know because it was just about this obscure event that just demonstrates the power of uh american uh troops and that's what you got to do is support the troops which was the justification for uh the war is like the mission doesn't matter at this point after the war's already started Right, you just gotta support the troops and and speaking out against the war, and uh, you know demonstrating against it. That's insulting to them. Like, it's crazy how the propaganda cycle has to go through phases because you can't start off like we need to go to war to support the troops. Right? That would that sounds yeah. contradictory. Uh, like if you like the troops so much, why don't you not go to war? Right. You have to get people to support the beginning of the war and then you like sustain it with this crazy thing but it's just i don't know it's like absurd to look at right in the face because you're like but you sent them there <laughs> like, why would you just not do this next time you know yeah right and that's why th- i think a brilliant slogan that i was too dumb to understand and at the time i was like i don't get that i don't know if it's a good slogan but that's because i was an idiot kid but this great slogan support the troops bring them home yeah. Like, I was like, what? So you are supposed But no, we sh- next time there's a war, that's that's a good slogan to use. There was an old Bill Hicks joke where he goes, I'm for right. the war and against the troops. Yeah. That always made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. About the Gulf War, yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, but, like, uh, the other thing is, uh, fuck, what was the... Th- there's a third propaganda phase, which is... Uh, ah, I forgot it. It'll come to me. Uh-huh. Um... But yeah, so the interesting thing though about Michael Durant, um, who gets sent back to America eventually, is now he is running for Senate in Alabama and is a hardcore MAGA guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, he says he's a hundred percent pro-Trump, and he believes in the America First agenda. Um, he, you know is against the COVID mandates and 100% pro-life and all this stuff. Um, and he's, his whole campaign is like sort of uh, based off Black Hawk Down, basically. Like the there's a helicopter in his campaign sign. It's like the state of Alabama is the A. And then the oh, he's is just like still, he's like um, Neil Brennan, how he's like, I was on Chappelle show yeah. 20 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> And it's weird because I watched an interview with him and he says that he doesn't have PTSD anymore. And the reason for that is that he's talked about it so much. Like, he he did have PTSD. It's obviously a very traumatic situation. Um, But having talked so much about it, it's it's almost like... And I kind of... Not comparing myself to him. Well, I am comparing myself. I'm not equating myself. It's, It's different. Yeah. Uh, but in this way, it's similar. Is doing a, a one man show, it it kind of makes you crazy because you're like taking a part of your personality and like amputating it and just like rehashing it over and over and over again. 
to where it's it's like not even you anymore. It's yeah. it's just this other thing that. Um, I just did an episode about this about the oh, yeah? video game Disco Elysium. Oh right. About how I just read this book about PTSD, and that's uh, I honest yeah. I mean, there's reasons I think this guy could be bullshitting because like clearly you know, but uh, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Because the 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 way that people that study PTSD have sort of you know put together that it it goes away in the sense that it stops like being painful and stuff mm-hmm. is putting things into like context because trauma like shatters everything into this like puzzle that like your memory can't consolidate into a story that has like a then a then and a then yeah and uh it may may very well have done it makes sense yeah I, every uh Every veteran, combat veteran, should have a movie made about them. And well, to- I mean, that's funny because, like, you see this with you know. I mean, we always joke on this show about how like politicians are so similar to comedians, uh-huh. and they're like doing a lot of the same performance moves that we do, and like the career grifts and shit like that. Yeah. But like, I mean, that's also part of why people get into like these these weird little um, boutique like political careers is that it is it's like addictive on a personal level like that and it is doing stuff like this yeah absolutely it has psychological effects that are hard to yeah yeah um so uh after the mission i should say the clinton decides to pull the troops out of somalia and the response is really interesting and this is because this is such a strange sort of example of of american foreign policy because there's no clear national interest um but republicans are mad at him one for pulling the troops out but two for starting uh the the conflict in the first place like they're mad at him for two contradictory things because they're like well if you're gonna bring the troops out that that easily then we shouldn't have gone in the first place and you should have known that but then they're also like uh you know, the fact that you, you pulled them out makes us look weak. And some people say this set the stage for 9-11 because bin Laden saw we, the U.S. would cut and run, which if that's true, uh, he, he is an idiot for thinking that, like, in this one place that did not matter to, you know, American economic interests or anything whatsoever, that we were like, fuck it, this isn't worth it, yeah. does not mean that we're not going to go balls to the wall if you, like, actually you know, attack us domestically. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of thing. And, and uh, there's the imagery of soldiers being, American soldiers being dragged through the streets, and it's, like, shocking for a lot of Americans. But a lot of this sort of gets subsumed by, uh, six months later, the Rwandan genocide, which says, which the the takeaway from that is, well... We, sh- you know, Somalia um, left a bad impression that we are supposed to not intervene in this part of the world, um, and really we should. And if we had, then that would have gone better. Um, and this is con- a constant, you know, sort of response you hear to uh, anti-imperialists when they, you know, we say like, when when has the U.S. military actually made a part of the world better? And uh, there's not, a, I mean, obviously, uh, Europe after World War II, um, but post, in the post-war era, there's not really any examples 
Um, so the one example they do point to is the one that didn't happen, which theoretically would have gone better. Um, you know, obviously, I I don't know about anyone else. I don't know about you. I'm very anti-Rwandan genocide. Uh, I think it was a bad thing. <laughs> I, well, I'm, everyone post your most cancelable Rwanda genocide <laughs> takes. I'll go first. <laughs> what is? I think it's great. Oh, damn. Okay. I mean, we wouldn't have had Hotel Rwanda, that great film, without without it. Um, so I actually, I was curious about this, so I emailed the man himself, Noam Chomsky. <laughs> because uh, I know he's, I'm sure he's been pinged about this before. He's like strong bad. He loves answering emails. Yeah, he... He he does, but usually, and I email him uh, fairly frequently, and usually I get at best a two sentence response. Uh, often it's just a couple words, but this one he actually wrote out one, two, three paragraphs, which uh, for him is. And I'm not obviously he's a uh, a uh, voluminous writer, but he's you know responding to thousands of people who are you know uh, asking him questions and stuff. Um, and I te- I could tell he, he really is aggravated by this question um, <laughs> because he says that that uh, some a few things are overlooked and I don't know if he means my question or just the issue in general. Um, so there were Hutu Tutsi atrocities uh, that were going on in the seventies, mostly in Burundi, but it was part of the same conflict. He wrote about them with Edward Herman, who co-authored Manufacturing Consent in a book called Political Economy of Human Rights, and he says, no one cared. Uh, that is the point, the first point with this conflict, that nonviolent intervention could have uh, been taken to head it off. Then there was the 80s and uh, IMF structural adjustment programs, like tore Rwandan society to shreds, and throughout much of the world, um, you know, it, it really incited ethnic conflict. And there were anthropologists who wrote about this at the time uh, who warned, like, we got to do something about this. And again, uh, Noam Chomsky says no one cared. Then there was Kagame's murderous invasion from Uganda of Rwanda. No one cared about that. Uh, There was a peace agreement, Arusha peace agreement. It got no support and collapsed. And that that, uh, collapse eventually led to the Rwandan genocide, which could have been prevented that's what's important, is that the U.S. didn't use diplomacy to prevent it from happening in the first place. Um, now, a liberal would call this whataboutism, right? Because the question that uh, was posed to Bill Clinton was, you know, after this, ish, after this disaster in Somalia, are we going to commit U.S. troops to stop a massacre? Um, and Chomsky's basic response is like, you know, he didn't say this literally, but it's, it's kind of like asking, uh, should uh, Anders Lee, Anders, me, Anders Lee, um, like, you know, uh, play for the New York Giants. Like, it's just not going to happen. There's no way, like, it's just a constitutional, not literally constitutional, but just part of uh, America's um, makeup that we don't intervene for humanitarian reasons. He says, where, where has it happened? Uh, do we intervene now in Yemen, where the death toll is in the hundreds of thousands, millions facing starvation? 
Yes, we do, to enable Saudi Arabia to help magnify the crimes. Um, and he ended the email by saying, suppose by some miracle, um, the U.S. had adopted some humanitarian concern for the first time and had tried to intervene in Rwanda when it was far too late. Hard to guess what would have happened. So, fair, but still kind of a non-answer. Honestly, no. Um, but I that, think that you could have played for the New York Giants at some point. If yeah? You hard enough. Yeah. I've seen you run around and bounce on that huge inflatable <laughs> ball I used to have here. I mean, they did have a fat guy as quarterback for a few years as a backup quarterback. Really, Jared Lorenzo, he died, but he was like a fat quarterback who everybody loved. It was That's crazy. very cool. Um, but, I, yeah, that is obviously the right way to approach it, but it's still my, my uh, counterfactual mind is like, okay, but what would have happened? And probably nothing good, if we're being honest. Like, you know, we'd like to think they could make another movie about it. Um, but that they probably would have tried to nation build and that wouldn't have gone well, right? Yeah. You would have created more insurgency, more genocide. Like it's, I mean, historically Faba Biamblin, man, not good stuff would happen. Yeah. If that happened. Right. But that still, you know, as is used as a propaganda point and it, it, have you ever seen the movie tears of the sun? No. So it's this Bruce Willis movie in 2003. I think it was kind of inspired by Black Hawk Down. They were like, we got to make another one of these about uh, West Africa um, instead of East Africa. Uh, by the way, Black Hawk Down, basically no Somali actors. It was filmed in Morocco. And Somali people who watch it are like, this is not the same language. These are not the same people. It was screened in Mogadishu. Uh, a <laughs> I think about a year after it, yeah. it came out in the U.S. and people were and the Somali people. It was like a bootleg copy, um, but Somali people were cheering every time a U.S. soldier got shot. That fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when comedians watch that movie Punchline and we're like, why do they have lockers in the back of the comedy? <laughs> Didn't they do any research? God. That's not what this looks like. I'm a strip club. Go on. Um, yeah, but we're no. It's not a strip club. I mean, oh, uh, but. Uh, what was I? Oh yeah, I think honestly, the best way to solve this would, and I've said this, uh, you should, we should produce a remake of Black Hawk Down from the Somali point of view, but just to troll Michael Durant. Uh, but there's like no way anyone would finance that. That would be totally insane <laughs> for that to happen. Oh, I'll, I'm gonna email Means TV after this. Oh shit! Yeah, give them a billion dollars because yeah. But um, so Tears of the Sun is like kind of a similar pr premise where like Bruce Willis is assigned with some Navy SEALs to get uh, a doctor who is a U.S. citizen out of Nigeria because there's a civil war happening there. And uh, she demands that all of the people she's taking care of get to leave too. And so he has a crisis of conscience and he's like, okay, yes, we're extending the mission we're going to save all these people and they're, you know, treated as heroes and all that good rah-rah stuff. Um, which, you know, this is the war on terror. 2003 is going on. Uh, and it, it is interesting how those two movies came out, uh, not about the Middle East, but about Africa, where instead of fighting terror, it was uh, showing how the U.S. is really a, this benevolent actor. Right, so it's not just that we're trying to keep people safe; 
is that we do care about the rest of the world and we want things to run smoothly and we want people to be free from harm, right? That's, that's what the U.S. is all about. We have a great country. And you know what? If there are issues, if there's some strategic concerns or some geopolitical stuff that maybe didn't go as well as we thought it would, then just remember these troops need your support because they're troops and they are just there to do a mission for the boys, for each other. They care about each other. They leave no man behind. You know, it's this sort of like this perfect uh, propaganda synthesis to indoctrinate uh, children like me at the time. Um, this kind of reminds me of something that like um, some stupid journalist was saying about Russia the other day, which is that, like, um, you know, they're killing all these civilians. And he's like, then somebody tweets at him and goes, oh, what about when America kills civilians all the time during war? Mm-hmm. And he tries to make this distinction and go... Okay, well, we might not be perfect. There might yeah. have been some mistakes here and there, but like our intention is always yada yada yada, and somehow it's like different, right? The way Russia's doing it, it's like no, this is the same fucking thing, right? Which is like, when was the intention good? Name, they give an example, but that's just believing like weird nationalist shit about right. the United States and the military at war is like that you don't you start off with the assumption. Well, America's always good and, uh, you know, is always uh, justified in whatever fucking weird military intervention thing it's doing. So, therefore, yada, yada, yada. Right. They did it because they did we, it's It's right because we did it. That's Well, that's, that's what I was, I was thinking about earlier. Is the third phase of, like, propaganda is, like, there's some weird fucking reason we have to go to war. And then it's like, well, we have to stay in because it's our troops. We just have to support them. And then it's like... Why did we do this to begin with? Oh, because they're remember during the Iraq War, they hate our freedom. Yeah, like that thing. <laughs> you right. know? And it's like, wait, wait, this seems like a different story from when we were like banging the war drums at the beginning mm-hmm. of the thing, right? I mean, I but I just I don't know, man. People like sincerely believe that the United States gets involved in all these situations and goes to war and stuff because there's some sort of like. You know, because we do that, like the thing you were talking about, of putting the target on the guy's head and making a big bad yeah. enemy, and then telling people this person has intentions to come and destroy democracy in the United States, which is never the fucking. I mean, you know, probably yeah. not ever the case. Yeah, they don't care. They just want us to leave. Like, just look at what Bin Laden said. It was like he wanted U.S. out of places like Somalia. You know. I was thinking about 9-11 the other day. This might be a super stoned thought or whatever, but I was just thinking about how, like, if you use this, the same ways that we justify civilian casualties in war, mm-hmm. you could defend uh, what bin Laden did because, it, to him, he was still at war, I guess, right. in, from his point of view. Obviously, you know, don't cut this out of the podcast <laughs> and, <laughs> and try to decontextualize it. I think what he did was bad, but... Um, but it's like hypocritical almost to to then look at all of this shit that the United States uh, does and go, this is unlike this, you know? Right, right, right. What some what a uh, imperialist would say is like, oh, but he's not a sovereign state, and that and what like Tulsi would say is like that's what war is is between sovereign states, and if you're not a sovereign state, if you're just an organization, everything's fair game, right? You're not allowed to do anything to us, but whatever we do to you is totally above board there's no rules that apply um but so it's interesting with all this in mind that uh 
Coney 2012 happens. I was going to ask. Okay. <laughs> what does this have so, to do with Coney 2012? <laughs> loose thesis. <laughs> However, um, the ask, the main like point, the, the main goal of Coney 2012 was to have another Black Hawk Down in Uganda, basically. It was It was basically the, the movie Tears of the Sun. They wanted to do that in a way. Or no, more closer to Black Hawk Down because they wanted to extract this one guy. Right, there was a child. Uh, there were child soldiers on both sides, which uh, they did not mention. The the invisible children, um, the group. Uh, but the and it's a long crazy story. But basically, like this Christian fundamentalist guy, Jason Russell, goes to uh, Uganda after college. He wants to be a filmmaker. Um, he is this this very specific type. Which I think is there are a lot of these guys in in the Midwest where a lot of, I went to high school with not the majority uh, of my classmates but like I went to a an arts high school in Minnesota and there are a lot of this very specific type and this was big in like the two thousands the aughts um, like a good looking performer who's also an evangelical Christian and is right right wing and reactionary but really downplays it you know they're 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 they love africa they love missionary work that's what they care about is other people um jason russell even said in an interview once that he, you don't if you're a, a a fundamentalist christian you don't lead with that that stuff the right wing anti-abortion stuff you do what jesus did which is you look people in the eye and you say i want to be your friend yeah and that's how he had this like sort of hypnotic effect on people but he through his like weird mind um decided that he was the one to take out uh joseph coney who was a warlord (laughs) in in not just uganda but you know that sort of uh I guess sub-Saharan Africa or like you know South Sudan uh, was it? He ended. Up, I think he was in Sudan at one point, but um, Uganda is sort of like in the uh, in the east, but it kind of slopes up a little bit. Anyway, Uganda, be kidding me! Uganda, be kidding me! So he he goes to Uganda and like he uh, tells the story about how he was um, driving and the car in front of him was like. Uh, blown off the road or something like that and turns out that it actually wasn't at the same time it's just like a car that happened to be on that road later in the day um but he's inspired to do something about the situation where there are child soldiers it's it's uh it's bad there's warfare going on and instead of looking broadly at what how would this be solved from a geopolitical perspective what diplomatic solutions uh could be used what can I do as an American to sort of uh, try to get my government to stop helping create these situations? Not that everything redounds to the United States, but um, he's, he decides that Joseph Coney is an evil man. He needs to be brought before the uh, International Criminal Court. So we got to get this one guy, and that'll do it. As if, like, that, like, that was the stated goal was to just not to end war, not to to actually do something about problems like poverty and violence and all that stuff, you know, reduce the arms supply going into these places. No, it was just to get one 
guy and bring him to justice, supposedly. Yeah. Um, it's really confusing. <laughs> and then it was just called Coney 2012. Right, because it was a presidential year, and they were like, we want to make Joseph Coney the most famous man on earth. Oh, right. And that was based on a George Clooney quote in which he said, you know, I'm really famous uh, too, but I, you know who I think should be famous is all uh, these warlords that I'm trying to stop in Sudan. <laughs> Thank you, George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> and there are Ugandan people who are like, we actually don't want that. We, we don't want this guy who's killing people to be the most famous person. How about the the victims or something like that? Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of their information was way off. Uh, as I mentioned, they did not include the fact that the Ugandan government, who they were sort of supporting, had also used child soldiers. Um, and, you know, the size of Kony's army was ridiculously smaller than they let on. Um, but it becomes this huge viral sensation this 20 minute long video um in which he's talking to his son and then he's talking to this other kid in in uganda and it's like oh this kid's really sweet and it's like sort of suggesting that but a lot of the stuff is not really clear what's happening but the way they edit it makes it look like he gets kidnapped by a, a child army and has to you know fight um maybe that happened i don't know but it's you know posting about it's not really going to do anything and that's what that's what the goal of this was was to get uh millions of people on 420 2012 <laughs> was it really yeah was that intentional i don't know man because <laughs> I, I mean there's like some tinge of humor to this in that like Tony 2012 during a presidential year does kind of sound like he's running for president and stuff. <laughs> but I, this also, because this is like a fundamentals Christian dork, this all has to be like hilarious coincidences, right? He doesn't know what 420 is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure there were stoners in the supporting the organization. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them. Um, so, oh, yeah, the goal on was on 420. It was called like cover the night or something they want to put posters all over like every building everywhere in america and like a lot of people replied on facebook that they were attending and then like a f small fraction showed up i actually know somebody in minnesota that tracks come it, to meet space the comedy show <laughs> that i run at the gutter how funny would it be if there was somebody in 2012 who was like oh jo i love joseph coney i want to he's on the ballot i want to vote for him i'm a huge fan i wrote him in <laughs> I'm just kidding. I voted for Camille Nanjiani. In 2012? No. Oh, okay. This last year. Nice. Um, but so, yeah, it's it's uh, a huge viral sensation, right? It it was the most viewed video on Earth at one point. Um, and uh, Cover the Night was a flop. Uh, I, I do know somebody who actually went around where they lived taking down the posters <laughs> after people put them up, which is pretty cool. And he wasn't even politi political at all. He's like, this is stupid. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Um, but, and I think a little bit before that, the Jason Russell uh, goes outside. He's, you know, very stressed out because he's getting criticism. He's actually getting pushback. Ugandans are saying, hey, this isn't actually helping at all. And he freaks out and goes outside naked and runs around and is like rolling around and saying random things. And 
It's often reported that he was masturbating. There's, I, I don't know that he wasn't. <laughs> that would be what aboutism. Is, uh, <laughs> right. Just assuming, arguing that he was masturbating when there's no evidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I remember this happening. Do you, why? Do you know what happened? Did he have a mental break with yeah. reality or he something? Had a men- yeah, he had a mental breakdown. He talked about it with Oprah later, and he just like... <laughs> he. He just all the stress compounded, and he apparently wasn't on any drugs or anything. He just lost it. That's crazy. Yeah, but so after four twenty, um, this whole thing kind of petered out. Um, but there's still, you know, parts of it that are active. I believe Invisible Children is still a thing, and they've tried to get the U.S. In, to intervene in Congo. Um, Eventually, the Ugandan government uh, gave up with Kony, not because they um, are lazy, but because they did, you know, they looked into it and they realized that he really is not not a threat anymore. He just doesn't have enough followers. He's just some guy. (laughs) Yeah. He's like the Riddler. He's got 500 followers. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, they they're spreading this rumor now that you know they're start that uh, that the this rebel group in the Congo is trying trying to start a caliphate and it's like very Islamophobic and that's you know really what it comes down to is this is a religious thing. It's just so I guess if by if in sort of uh, summation, if you will, you have this, you have Tom's shoes which are, uh, I think, of fucking blight on the planet. Like, this is, you know, most of the shoes are shitty, and it's also just, from an economic perspective, really bad. You know, obviously, this sounds a bit odd for an anti-capitalist to say, but, like, if you are trying to develop an economy, it's not great to just throw a bunch of free stuff (laughs) into it. Yeah. You know, somebody makes saying? shoes for a living. It's not great for them. Yeah, there's a guy who makes shoes in the in Africa who's like, "What the fuck?" Dude? Yeah, <laughs> and it and it's also uh, I have this uh, friend from Zimbabwe who's telling me uh, about you know Tom shoes being very pernicious, but also just in general, Americans just sending our excess uh, clothing. Goods to Africa, just dumping it is really bad. It's we treat it basically as a trash can, and it's like a trash can that you feel good. Uh, it's like recycling, I guess. You feel good by throwing something out. Yeah. Um, but he said that in a lot of places you can't even go to the beach because it's just covered in stacks of just clothes that no one wants or uses because you know we we assume that. People in Africa are just constantly desperate for clothing. Yeah, um, that is crazy. Yeah, but like, they, like they, we send all those like losing Super Bowl fucking yeah. merch and shit there, like Hillary twenty sixteen sweaters. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of it does get used, but we just send so much, and people like to buy clothes everywhere. Yeah, in, people in Africa still want to buy stuff from stores you know (laughs) it's you know it's uh of course i like getting free stuff everyone likes getting free stuff but if it's just coming from some random place you don't know and like you don't get to pick it out or whatever and it's uh yeah it's 
it's bad it's and the fact that like um our three like attempts to solve africa if you will or like help it have been capitalism with not just Tom Shoes, but all these NGOs and the microloans and all this stuff, just like shoving that down their throat and the IMF stuff. And it's all justified by, for humanitarian reasons, uh, military intervention in Somalia. Um, it's happened in other places too, but, and you know, what we wanted to happen in, in Uganda, or uh, what invisible children wanted to happen anyway. And then the third, like religious fundamentalism. Uh, exporting that like we've just everything we've tried to do has just been extra American <laughs> and it's just the three uh, the, the, the the trifecta of just American grotesquity that's not a word grotesqueness is militarism capitalism and fundamentalism um, and that's what we've assaulted them with and it's it just hasn't worked and it's sad that you know there because there are uh, people who do want to help. I, I believe, I know, a lot of the kids who were involved in Coney 2012 do genuinely care about helping people in places like Uganda, but there's just very few avenues to actually do that in a constructive way that people can even find out about, you know? So right now, it's like, um, I saw, uh, this was on Twitter, too, but uh, there was uh, a, um, uh, someone tweeting from some country, I, I don't remember what country, but somewhere in Africa, uh, he tweeted how, you know, when uh, an Englishman comes to our country, they want to give us a lecture. When the Chinese come, they want to give us a bridge. So yeah. China, say what you will about China, but they're actually putting their money where their mouth is and building stuff in Africa um, it's not for any mysterious reason. It's because they want an actual trading partner. They want to help develop Africa, uh, the entire continent, into a legitimate economic partner. Uh, because they discovered they can't just do that with the U.S. anymore. Like they they needed a block of of other countries, right? And it's it's uh, arguably still capitalist, but like if we don't like it, we should do better stuff you know it, it's quite easy actually the uh the treasury department in the united states could just end third world debt all over the world by uh just giving all our special drawing rights ims special drawing rights which is just the ability to create your own currency we have a bunch of them that we don't use if we just gave those to african countries we could let them completely erase their debt and pay for things like infrastructure on their own and, and healthcare and, and, and poverty and uh, hunger. Like this is, could so easily be fixed. And we just, it's, it's such a frustrating thing though because we have to be able to find a way to channel um, a lot of good intentions into that. The trick is though, a lot of those good intentions actually aren't very good at all because they come from like, the bourgeois sort of uh, yeah, the, nonprofit. I, I took yeah. my uh, college semester in Uganda and mm -hmm. made this hut with these kids and took a million photos of myself doing it. And uh, I feel great now, but it fundamentally affected nothing. Right. That sort of thing. Yeah, because we don't have like um, 
you know, we don't have like a cultural imagination for like actually solving any of these problems. It's all just weird bourgeois individualist shit. Yeah. What if we flew like a Harrier jet over Africa and just dropped tons of Bibles and some bombs and then also, uh, you know, just like weird football jerseys from Super Bowls <laughs> that never happened and stuff and like discontinued merchandise and shit. That's what we're doing instead of what China's doing. Right. Yeah, it's like, and I think I had a joke about this a long time ago, but like imagine if, you know, you live in Appalachia and th- there's like some... Uh, you know, there's just a bunch of Muhammad shoes that are like dropped on your town. Like the people there probably wouldn't res- would be a little uh, at best perplexed by yeah, that. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is a fun thing to think about. Like, what if someone did this to you? Would you appreciate this? Yeah. Just somebody drives by your house and they throw just throw a bunch of shitty clothes at you, and they give you a fucking religious text that has nothing to do with anything you've ever interacted with. Just some weird cult, you know? Right. And then. Uh, uh, they also are like, I'm coming back. I'm going to help you set up a Subway franchise. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck does any of this mean? Yeah. Or it's like Somalia with, you know, there's problems with poverty in America, too. What if, like, uh, you know, a, yeah, a, the Somali military came to the United States and was like helping give food out and people are like, OK, I guess I'll take the food. And then there's like, we're going to kill Joe Biden. Great. We should just overthrow him because he's causing this problem, which is not wrong, but like it's <laughs> not the best way to to solve that. Yeah, yeah. That was the third thing that I meant to jam into that bit. It's like the crazy, like we're just gonna set up a fucking a narrative about how this is all coming from one faction and then kill those people. Right. But. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Black Hawk. Did you ever see Black Hawk Down? By the way, no, no. It's I. It's uh, I have a love hate relationship with it. Or you know, it's it's in many ways a great film. Uh, just cinematically, the uh, the gore is exquisite. This was around the time we're we're talking about too. I like yeah, movies. War movies became about like the soldiers and just fighting for fighting's sake and being brothers in arms and. Uh, the, but the fucking like gore was just way more graphic than it had been in the past and that started like late 90s early 2000s cool I believe it maybe yeah. I'll watch it I mean there are so many movies almost every movie is like this where it's yeah. like kind of wrong in what it's saying and it's individualizing and stuff uh-huh. in order to get around that and yet hella entertaining which is why I am such a, like, I have a philosophy of complete nihilism when it comes to art. Because, like, we don't live in a world where there is, like, a dearth of art with, like, socialist messaging in it. We, every movie is war propaganda. Yeah. There, you have to admit that they're entertaining sometimes, though. And then just not go, if I like a movie, it was the, the truth, you know? Right. Which is why I'm always talking about this with comedians, too. And people that think because they laugh at someone that they must be politically right because that's the same that reasoning is just indelible like in our fucking culture and it causes people to get really fucking obsessed and go down rabbit holes with like comedians that turn into pundits mm-hmm. and then turn into right wing pundits because it's the fucking only avenue that makes any money and 
you know, we have this like crazy fucking cult brainwashing stuff going on, but that's another podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying though. Right. And it's, I will say though too, like I, I think that one positive thing is I'm not sure if Black Hawk Down could get made today. In the same way, you could never make Black Hawk Down today. <laughs> I mean, Too they woke. did. They did make American Sniper not that long, which I haven't seen, but uh, that's pretty. It was from everything I've read about. It's it pretty horrendous. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, you probably could make Black Hawk Down, but you could not do. I do believe this. Uh, another Coney 2012. In 2022, I think people would be too wise to it. <laughs> the Zoomers, I think, would see through it. Uh, they're trying to market Tom's shoes to Zoomers right now, and I don't think it's going to work. I yeah. Know. I mean, there's also just the fact that everyone remembers Coney 2012, so there's a yeah. reference point for this. And like I was saying at the top of the show, you know, my experience with it was, was, was the first time that this sort of thing had, like, manifested itself in the form of a viral internet campaign like mm-hmm. that. And I kind of didn't know what to do with it then. Now, though, I could smell that bullshit, I think, a mile yeah. away, you know? Right. It's... Yeah, a white guy making this about making a conflict in Africa about him, and his solution is to take out one guy. Like that's not going to do anything. This is just crazy. Yeah, (laughs) he just—I don't know. That guy just kind of reminds me of like whenever I think about stuff like that, I'm like, um, you can't just make up your own politics. Like you can't just come up with like. I'm going to in- intervene in history with this completely isolated thing that I just made up in my garage, this like new tactic. You uh-huh. know? And I know that he isn't entirely like this because he's like probably like you were saying, motivated by Christian fundamentalist stuff like that. But like this tactic was just bizarre. Like there's no there's no precedent for it, I guess is what I'm right. saying. And this is like why as socialists there is some merit to like reading theory and stuff mm-hmm. and looking at how it got done before and synthesizing with you know the past attempts at revolution and the the what we're going to do in the future and stuff like that but like it's just wackos to me and this is a byproduct of living in like you know the modern world and in america where you're like purposely sort of kept from having any context for anything historically wackos always just have this thing where they're like I stayed up all night and I figured out how to do politics by myself. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's like so funny to see it in action. It ends with you rolling around the ground naked, losing your fucking mind. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, funny last note, especially when we're, we, yeah, we began with the Grimmer thing. Uh, this is very dark, but uh, there is a character, Black Hawk Down, played by Ewan McGregor with the name Grimes. Oh, he is. <laughs> he, he makes coffee, and he's never been in action before. And he's complaining about having never seen combat. And I made coffee through Panama and the Gulf War, and then he uh, gets. They say Grimes suit up, and he ends up being on this mission and gets injured and has this like cathartic experience. Uh, he's not a real guy. He's fictional. The real guy who he was based on, who they decided not to put in the movie was arrested for raping his six-year-old daughter. Whoa. Yeah, yeah military. Right wing. <laughs> yeah. Just like I was yeah. saying. <laughs> they should ban the military. That's what, what that means. Probably. The, it sounds like it's unhealthy, to say the least. Um, yeah. But that's another day. That's another podcast. Um, 
Damn, that's crazy. All right, well, uh, shit, everyone. Um, happy Coney 2012 10-year <laughs> anniversary to those who observe. Don't party too hard. Please party responsibly. I know we go buck wild every year when we celebrate the anniversary of yeah, Coney 2012. that's and, why people always smoke weed on 420. <laughs> yeah, this is the big one. So, you know, please test your get fentanyl strips at dancesafe.org and test your coke before you get fucked up to Coney party um, yeah. and uh, yeah I don't know if if you are a billionaire and you're listening uh, let's make the Black Hawk the Black Hawk Down remake with uh, from the Somali POV oh yeah it's like Cloverfield or something oh yeah oh shit <laughs> yeah. that would be awesome yeah you never see war movies like that I mean it's actually probably a way more thrilling experience right. than like Let's follow the people flying the helicopter. Oh, mm-hmm. what about the guy who's just like hanging out and then holy shit, what the fuck is this thing? You know? Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, I don't know when this is going to come out, but I'm probably on tour with Eve Six. Come out to a show with me and Eve Six, and we are the Union. Cat Bites doing one show. I just found out uh, kind of my favorite band, I want to almost say. I don't know, I'm an adult. I don't know if I have a favorite band, but uh, Titus Andronicus is apparently going to do a thing with us. Nice. Which is really cool. So come to the New York show at La Poisson Rouge if uh, you want to see that, because that's fucking tight. I told the E6 guys, like, well, damn, I'm actually going to watch the show now. <laughs> uh, owned. Yeah, owned. Take that guy from E6. Um, yeah, and that's. I think that's it. Cool. Shows yeah. and shit on my Twitter. I don't know if follow me on Twitter. Yeah, at Andersley here. Um, if you want to, if you want to own somebody who's wearing Tom shoes, and this is not an endorsement because this is also a for-profit company, but uh, and this is what I think I did at the time um, during Coney 2012. I got my, you know, the more woke version, uh, Soul Rebels, which actually does produce its goods and products in. Um, I forget what country, but uh, they are um, sustainably based. I don't know. They probably do something bad, too. But they're in Ethiopia. At least they're employing people in Ethiopia. So that's something. Soul Rebels. <laughs> Soul Rebels. Cool. All right. Um, and uh, I'm selling shoes. If you buy a pair of my used Doc Martens, I will give a pair of Doc Martens to a child in <laughs> Houston, Texas. <laughs> I only have three pairs, so we can only do this once. Oh, no. You know what? I actually do have a, a plug. There's something I'm going to start doing is for the price of $5, I will name your band. If you're a musician who is trying to come up with a name and you don't have it yet, maybe the guy's next door. Um, send me a track. What the fuck? Are, what? For $5, I'll name it. Uh, for $10, I'll give you a list of 10 names. <laughs> I see uh, the job hunt's going uh, yeah. well. <laughs> yes, and if you have a job for me, I'd love to, to do that. If All right. it's something I that pays a lot and, and is fun. Someone should... I'd be so funny if somebody actually did this. Well, I can't even imagine what kind of name you would come up with for a band. I don't know. We'll have to find out next time. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, and give it up for the band one more time. They're still playing. It's been an hour and 22 minutes. It's yeah. finished. I'm singing it because there's music. It's finished. It's finished.